At Design Centre Chelsea Harbour, it's never been easier to discover what's happening in the world of design. Head to SW10 and you can browse 600 of the world's most prestigious brands in 120 showrooms, all under one roof. And it's not just for the professionals. If you need help and advice, there's a concierge desk and even a personal shopping service. And I think that's the temptation, is to go smaller. I always try and encourage to go larger um, because it will be a statement. It will look absolutely beautiful and it will make that impact, that wow factor that we talk about. Hello, I'm Carol Annett from Country and Townhouse magazine. Welcome to the House Guest podcast, where I chat with experts from the world of interior design and decoration, the people behind the houses and hotels you see in glossy magazines like ours. Some of the names will be familiar and others may be less so, but I'm sure you'll recognise the hotels and restaurants they've designed. And if you're in the middle of your own building project or restyle, maybe you'll pick up some tips for yourself. If you listen on the Entail app, there's more information and images on the projects and places mentioned. Hello and welcome to House Guest. Today I'm with Emma Sims-Hilditch, whose company Sims-Hilditch specialises in a refined take on modern English country house style. Emma's interiors have a quiet elegance, but there's always a wow factor, whether it's an overscaled chandelier, a ceiling covered with rough boarding, or big blousy wallpaper. She's clever at introducing modern technology as well. Welcome, Emma. Lovely to see you. I also have to um, express my own um, uh, personal involvement because Emma did a a complete overhaul of my own home about four years ago um, and we are still very happy with it so thank you for that Emma. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that that's great news. It was a very happy experience and I have to say that I learned so much just going through that having been involved with magazines and writing about interiors for 15 years or so it was a very interesting experience actually being involved in a project of my own and gave me a whole new outlook on interior designers and how you work and I have to say also a great um, a newfound respect for the way you work because it is you know it is absolutely not just you you tend to feel to think about the sort of pretty bits of the business the choosing the wallpapers and the um, but there is so much more to it and gosh I mean the learning about scale and proportion I felt that I learned so much from you as well throughout the whole process. (laughs) Thank you Um, for for me um, interior design is definitely um, it's two parts to to a design of a house. There's the interior architecture, which I think is the bit you're referring to, um, and then there's the interior decoration. And they're two very different skills, um, which not necessarily um, one designer might have. So in our practice, we um, have interior architects who look after the building side of the project, which comes first. And during that, phase of a build like yours, um, there are numerous amounts of drawings that need to be created. Um, We're talking about the hard finishes at that stage. We're talking about the space planning. Uh, We're talking about how um, to make that house function really well. So um, flow is considered, um, the way that maybe the rooms are laid out. In your case, um, the house was already laid out and was working. Um, as you wanted it, but quite often one of our projects we might arrive at a house and um, completely uh, reimagine where the kitchen is. Um, In a lot of country houses that we work in, um, historically the kitchen might be a very small dark room in the middle of the house without 
much light, without space to put a big family kitchen table. Which is how houses were designed originally. Exactly. Um, And the kitchen might not be in the heart of the home. So for us, it's all about trying to figure out how the space is going to work for the, the clients who are going to live in it. And often it will be a big family with children, it might have um, dogs, they might have pets, they might need to um, sort of zone off areas. So there's an awful lot of uh, intelligent thought that needs to go into designing a home to make it work. And when it comes to the, um, the, the, the sort of fun bit, um, I know that you had, my husband and I, you got us to pull out tear sheets from magazines and show you show you the kind of style, the things that we loved, and then mm. you kind of went off and came back with with mood boards that mm. we yes. also completely fell in love with. <laughs> and um, but it but also there was a we had we had quite a lot of our own pieces of furniture and art yes. that we wanted to incorporate, whereas a lot of your clients have nothing whatsoever. Mm. So that's quite difficult mm. coming from a completely blank canvas. canvas. Um, I think that's right. I think um, Every client that we work with is different, and that's what makes it so much fun. Um, so perhaps we might um, start a project based on a painting, and, and that's something actually we did with you. So um, in your house, we picked out a beautiful um, landscape um, oil, and it had the most uh, wonderful colour palette um, of very soft sort of colours that um, work together. So we had a heathery colour and a a soft bluey grey and, and it's actually um, looking at the colour wheel and the way the colour wheel works all your colours are what's called tertiary colours so they're sitting next to each other on the colour wheel and it was very interesting um, re-viewing um, your house now to see that we naturally picked colours that were very complementary so taking the inspiration from something like a work of art can be a really wonderful way to start um, if if um, we don't have that in a house, then what we try to do is create um, the first phase, which is called concept design. And for us, that's um, presenting beautiful imagery, um, just to make sure that we are all sort of on the same wavelength, that we're all coming from the same creative um, vision for the house. What I hadn't appreciated about um, having a professional help from a professional interior designer was actually how daunting the process is mm. and and I always say to people when they're looking to um, t- to use an interior designer actually it's yes it's important to look at what they've done and have a look on the website and in magazines and look at their work mm. but actually it's almost as important that you like them as a person and that they like you because it's quite an intimate um, personal experience isn't it it is a hundred percent that um it's it's all about the relationship that you you form and i think um you know we're all different humans are all different we're all attracted to different things that's why there are hundreds of different fashion design brands out there appealing to different people and the same is true of interior designers there's no point in in sort of going with a designer who actually you don't really like anything you see of their work because that is going to be that's their signature style that's the style that they feel comfortable with so I think um, my advice would be definitely you know try and pick someone who just the images just attract you naturally yeah Um, like if you were walking down a high street and you had a number of different shops um, with clothes in and one of them you went into you know that that's your that's your comfort zone so it's the same with an interior designer really I think 
And how do you gauge how far to push somebody? Because I know in in, in our house, you 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 gave us confidence to go a bit bigger and more dramatic with things like lighting mm. and, and yeah. the scale of things, mm. which I found quite interesting. Mm. Um, but it's but it, I didn't ever feel that we were totally out of our comfort zone. No. And I remember with the with sort of the fabric on the pattern on the curtains, we had a lot of it's very much an English country house style, lots of yes. Marlbury and GP and J Baker and I I remember making the fatal mistake of telling my husband that the curtains had a little bit of a hint of orange, orange. which of course sent him off at the deep end. Yeah. And of course it was a stupid thing to say because, you know, they, they, they had such a tiny bit of orange and actually yeah. it was just so, yeah. they, they're a beautiful design. And I took him down to Chelsea Harbour to actually look at the full drop because yeah. it's so hard. It is so hard working when mm. you're just working from mood boards. But mm. there's you do 3D for images. Yeah, we'll do. Um, we tend to do hand-drawn sketches, three-dimensional hand-drawn sketches, which um, help um, visualization. I prefer not to do um, the renders, the sort of more contemporary uh, 3D renders, which literally give you a photograph of the exact interior. Um, part of my reason behind that is that I I feel like it's almost spoiling the creative process and the excitement of, yeah. of what your house is going to look like. If you're literally given it on a plate saying, there you go, that's the look, then what is there to look forward to? Um, it's artistry. Interior design is, is another form of art and it's like painting a picture. And I think that needs to happen and evolve slightly over time and build up in layers. So I much prefer not sort of um, unveiling the whole look by doing a, a, a CGI. Um, we do it through, as you said, hand-drawn sketches, um, through images of products um, and lots of sampling and lots of photography of beautiful things. And that's, that builds up the picture in layers. But going back to your question on, on scale and proportion, um, that, that can be one of the biggest challenges, I think, if you're um, attempting to do a project um, perhaps without having the... Um, experience or without having the ability to actually draw um, the elevations to, to check sizes of things because um, you could go into a lighting shop and choose a chandelier but when you get it home it, it's just not the right size it looks too small yeah. and I think that's the temptation is to go smaller I always try and encourage to go larger um, because it will be a statement it will look absolutely beautiful and it will make that impact, that wow factor that we talk about sometimes. Yeah. And and I, I mean, one of my favourite things in, in our house are these two enormous Vaughan, um, they look like sort of cow's udders really, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Hanging from the ceiling and, and they're just, everyone just walks into the kitchen and goes, wow. They're glass globe lanterns oh, in case anyone's right. trying to visualise what they are. <laughs> thanks Emma. Yeah. Um, but they are absolutely stunning and there yeah. is just no way that I would have no, come up with anything no. like that. But I think that's what's very, that's what I love about your style in, in that way that it's, it is very um, refined. It, it doesn't, there's no shouting and yet there's always that wow in the room. So either it's from the impact of a, of a beautiful piece of light yeah. or in wallpaper, I mean, a lot of the wallpapers um, the, where we're sitting now in um, in your London mm. London yes. home, home <laughs> um, which I have to say is, I mean, you bring clients here as yes, well, don't you? Yes, it's a it's a wonderful place for us. It doubles up as a as a sort of showroom, really, because um, we've designed it um, with clients in mind to show them how 
how we can do a London house just as hopefully as beautifully as a country house. Um, it does have a, a country aesthetic um, because that's our predominant style. You know, we're not um, we're not really sort of the um, the go-to for Knightsbridge or Mayfair just because you know we've made um, we've made a, a sort of comfortable home um, of this type of design and this is where we want to stay. We don't want to be all things to all people. So we're sitting here in in this typical Fulham terrace and you've got this this lovely rough rough wood on the ceiling. I mean you, yeah. you wouldn't normally imagine to have a kind of rough no. wood on the kitchen ceiling no. and it does but it doesn't look out of place. No. Um, we always make um, a point of looking at the four walls, um, four walls, ceiling and floor and count them all and make an important sort of mental note of all of them when we're designing. Um, so often the ceilings get forgotten and just get painted yeah. white, but actually um, you can create such wonderful effects through doing um, either a timber boarded ceiling, which is what we've done here, um, or we even sometimes put wallpaper on a ceiling that can look really fun, maybe in a downstairs cloakroom or something. Um, so yeah, so ceilings are really important and this texture that we put on the ceiling is just a, it's a um, very inexpensive way of creating a texture. It's just a, a soft wood um, board which you can buy from builders merchants and then we mix half water, half emulsion paint and we sort of slap it on and then you put the planks up on the ceiling. Um, you lay them as if you were laying a floor, I guess, but it's on the ceiling. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, it's really... I think, yeah, texture is, is something that we're particularly uh, fond of and it just gives that real um, wonderful sort of natural feel to a house. You also have a very clever room downstairs where you've hidden a, an, a big cinema screen. Mm, that, was, that was great fun designing. Um, we went round in circles a few times uh, before we came up with the final solution. But um, we, we realised that the basement doesn't have much light, so it's the perfect place for a projector. Um, and presumably a lot of, I mean, people, cinema rooms are still kind of quite fashionable. I mean, yeah, I think the lovely thing about the projector that we've got is the screen um, disappears. Um, it rolls up into the ceiling. It basically, when it drops down, covers the whole of the um, window wall um, of the basement room. So it, in effect, it's almost like acting like a blackout blind. So it's doing two things in one. So as it drops down, it blocks all the light into the room and creates this fantastic... Um, cozy environment and then the projector um, starts and you have something fantastic like um, Blue Planet on and it is absolutely beautiful in there. Um, so I would really recommend um, if someone is looking to invest in a really fantastic you know home cinema I think projectors are a great way to create that real clarity of vision. I mean it's not for everybody I think when you've got young children and you just want to turn the telly on, then you know there are some fantastic big television screens now as well. But this is more of a sort of grown-up cinema experience. Mm. So, it's yeah. slightly more special. Yes. And also, what I love about when you go down into the room, you there's no, you've got no idea that um, that there's going to be a projector there at all. No, I mean, you lit, it's you, hidden. You can't see it at all. It just looks like a kind of snuggly family. Yeah, it doubles up as our as our family sitting room. Um, but then the projector rolls up into a slot in the um, head of the door, 
and then as it drops down it goes into sort of channels either side it's a bit difficult to describe but <laughs> come and see it and so you have um you also have your main studio you're based near bath in an old mm. Um, yeah <laughs> yes um actually it was um a coaching inn a 16th century coaching inn um so it was a farm originally with barns and lovely outbuildings um then it got i suppose probably 100 years ago um it got sort of transformed it was on the main road between bristol and london so it was on a big sort of highway i guess um in those days and when the horse and carriages made it up the hill from Bristol and they were completely exhausted, they'd pile into our old stone barns and then um, fill themselves with ale. Um, and we bought the pub um, about five years ago in, in a sort of derelict state. Um, we were very lucky to uh, be able to acquire it and it really did give us an incredible opportunity to do something very different as a as a design studio, um, it's, a, it's a fantastic 5,000 square foot sort of series of barn buildings and we can really showcase what we do there. Very good lunches as well, I seem to remember. <laughs> so how did, your, how, how did your style evolve? Um, it's interesting to look back really and sort of try and question that. I think... Um, when I was younger, um, when we were sort of doing our own project, um, which was also a barn conversion in Wiltshire, we sort of started that about 10, 15 years ago. Um, I got a lot that's of... That's the family house. Yes, that's our family home where we've lived forever, really. It started as three workmen's cottages. Um, we were lucky to be able to buy a barn that was attached to it, and so we could then do the conversion into the barn, um, which meant that we had enough space for our three children and for us to sort of live there. And good practice for all your clients that then want you to do exactly the same thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we practiced on our own home and we, we sought in, uh, inspiration a lot from Europe. Um, over the years, we've loved traveling uh, both in France and Italy and also um, into Belgium, which interestingly offers um, a really beautiful um, design aesthetic, which is quite unique. Um, and it's, a, it's an aesthetic that particularly um, I love because it's it's all based on natural materials, on linens that are obviously made in Belgium, um, on beautiful oak um, and lovely bluestone. So the palette is is very simple yeah. ditch, I guess. It's it's where we kind of um, sought inspiration from. Yeah, there is definitely um, a very a very gentle palette, but it's certainly not it's not boring and lots of um, lots of nature and inspired you know the particular papers and things definitely I w actually I would when I was thinking about where my inspiration has come from I'd say um, probably two places apart from obviously those countries but also from from art um, I, I remember as a young um, sort of teenager first visiting um, Monet's water lilies in the orangery in Paris and being absolutely blown away by I mean it is just draw-droppingly beautiful there and you can just sit in those rooms and absorb this incredible color um, and those soft colors which um, we were talking about earlier they're uh, they're the sort of um, the analogous colors actually that's a word that I've learned recently but um, it, it's the colors that you know when you you blend them together basically you you create color that is um, very close in the color wheel 
Um, and, but they're all very complementary to each other as well. So if you think about Monet's water lilies, they're all those sort of soft blues, um, uh, turquoises and purples with a bit of pink. Um, so yeah, so so art is a huge inspirer and the other... Um, Wasn't your grandfather a, a great, member of the Royal Academy? Yeah, a great, great grand, great, great grandfather was it's a Royal Academician. <laughs> My daughter, our daughter Daisy, is a fine artist working um, in London on doing her her thing brilliantly um, as a as a plein air painter and a portrait painter. And she's had um, BP. Yeah, she had portrait. success with the BP um, a few years ago now with, with her beautiful portrait of um, an Italian lady. Um, and then our other daughter, daughter Betty, is um, working in film production design, so she's um, a sort of set designer for film. So yes, but that's where you started up. You started off with Ridley Scott, <clears throat> didn't you? Yes. So a long time ago, I was fortunate enough to um, work uh, with Ridley Scott's film production company. So I saw design on a on an enormous scale, and it's fascinating evolved. actually doing these podcasts, at, finding out about people and. There are quite a lot of interior, people who go into interior design who have either started in theatre design or film design. It's yeah. been quite extraordinary, yeah. actually. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think um, I think it's a natural progression. Yeah, um, there, yes, I suppose there are lots of parallels. And I love what um, what you learn in film or set de- in set design is you learn about drama on a you know on a great scale. You you do things more dramatically, obviously, because you're trying to create um, real drama. Um, for something that's only short term, short lived, but you know what you do has got to be very impactful. So I think that's always been in the back of my mind and has been good for my training. And so, what's and what sort of projects is Sims Hilditch involved with at the moment? We always have a lovely breadth of projects. So um, we work in the countryside on some wonderful family homes. Um, we also work in London. Um, we've got two beautiful houses um, in Chelsea at the moment, which is a real treat. Both of them um, are full refurbishments. Um, we're working on a lovely family home in Jersey um, for clients who, um, yes, have been there for four years in their home, got to know how they want it, and then are now moving out, and we're moving in. Um, I know that feeling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had to say to them because I think a lot of um, people hope secretly hope that they could just carry on living there while we're gently working around them. Yeah, but to be honest, it's not cost effective really because um, you know it's it's just much easier to build to turn the water off, turn the power off, pull up the floorboards, do all the work, and not have the disruption really of trying to run a family life at the same time. But we have done it, and it does. It's not impossible. So yes, we, we have a lovely diverse set of projects. We're also working on a, a lovely new build at the moment. That's always quite exciting when um, you are involved in a project very early on. Where... A bit daunting too, isn't it? I just find it so exciting. I, I don't find it daunting. I, I just can't wait to see the the building come out of the ground and, you know, for your vision. Because I I when I get a project like that, I sort of can almost see it straight away. Really? I can kind of imagine it, how it's going to be. <laughs> so. 
And exactly. and so what? So you've got your bones of of the building, and then your interiors. They're all very cosy. They're very homely. Mm. So where? How does that? How do you put in those elements? It's a really good question because. Um, you know, the hardest thing I think when you're building from scratch is to actually add character and mm. add that feeling of um, warmth to a to a new building, which is essentially bricks and mortar, um, an awful lot of cement, um, a lot of hardness, and to be able to layer up those finishes and those textural elements of a house is just is the bit that really really counts. So we. We pay a lot of attention to that, whether it's the, the type of stone flooring that we use to try and get some texture into that, or the, the oak floorboards. Um, you know, there are some amazing character floorboards out there now, and just by putting some character into the floor. Also by changing the floor finish, and I think, you know, I talk about flooring a lot, but floor finishes, you know, there's a, often a temptation just to say, well, stone is practical, so let's put stone throughout the whole ground floor of the house, or not throughout the whole ground floor, but a lot of it. Whereas, if you're going to do that, I would always recommend changing the stone finish. So perhaps in the entrance hall, you might go for a lovely um, a square limestone with a little black cabochon or something like that, and then you go to a less formal laying pattern as you come into the kitchen, and then you might change to timber, and then in the boot room you might do a red brick tile and then obviously carpets and other rooms. So it's that kind of layering of the finishes that's so important to add character. I know, you, um, you convinced us to, to put um, flagstones down in our kitchen that we were um, sort of slightly sort of in two minds because it meant taking out the kitchen that was in there that was perfectly mm. doable and you quite rightly said Carol once you have everything done in the house mm. you're going to wish you'd done the kitchen and you're yeah. absolutely right I think that's right I think you know it's a it's a big gulp when you when you know you've got to spend this money but what I always say I try and explain to clients is that it's so much better to do it all in one go if yeah. you can afford to and also you know in terms of the adding value to the house, I always look at it like that and say, actually, you know, for the price of what you've spent there, you're going to definitely add that value and hopefully get it back one day if you do decide to sell. So Yeah. The other thing I just wanted to talk about is lighting, because I think, for me, one of the biggest changes or something that what I hadn't realised is what a difference lighting can make mm. to a space mm, totally. and also to the colours in a in a room. Mm. Lighting is one of those things that can get overlooked. Um, it can be put down to, oh, you know, let the builders just put in down lights, you know, yeah. they'll work it out. Yeah. But for me, lighting is probably really right at the top of the priority list yeah. for to do it properly and to actually get help with it because it's a it's a science. It's yeah, a complicated it science. Is. There are so many products out there on the market now in terms of LED light fittings and you know the warmth that they can give out versus cold ones. And in fact, I was talking to a lady the other day and she just said, oh, I'm having such trouble. It was a color masterclass that we did and she said, I'm having such trouble with my room because the paint looks so gray and everything's so cold. And, and I said to her, what have you got in the ceiling? What are your light, what's your lighting? And when she told me, and I realised it was the down lights that were creating this very blue light because she she hadn't got the Kelvins right in her lighting. So Kelvins basically is the colour temperature and 
Yeah, you haven't just made that up. That is a real word. <laughs> that is a real word. <laughs> Google it afterwards. I won't go into, into the details now, but it's very important to make sure that you get the warm white LEDs when yeah. if you are using down lights. Well, you need to go. You need to. Get, I know. You need to get, some, get professional help. help. And also, then it's the layers of lighting. So yeah. it's not just the ceiling, obviously, but you have then you need to create those different heights of lighting. So it's down lights in the ceiling, wall lights, chandeliers, table lamps reading lamps, even floor wash lights that maybe just light up a fireplace or or you put them in the bathroom so you can get to the loo at night without having to stumble across the bedroom. There's so many different things you can do to create real impact as well as practical lighting. And ideally everything dimmable. Absolutely, 100%. Dimmable is key. Well, Emma, thank you so much. And I have to say, I'm quite jealous of your clients going through the... Because it was such a fun process. And I th- and, it's, and that's what it should be about, isn't it? It's, yes. You're doing your home and you're creating a place that, you know, for, for, your, for, a, for life. For life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. thank you very no, much. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thanks for listening to House Guests from Country and Townhouse magazine with me, Carol Annett. Don't forget to subscribe to the series on iTunes or Entail, where you can also find images, links and notes to enhance each episode. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett. And keep up to date on all the podcast news and show notes online at countryandtownhouse.co.uk slash podcast. Next week, I'm with antique expert Will Fisher, who has a tendency to fall in love with old sofas, fireplaces, taxidermy. You name it, his showroom jam on the Pinmaclo Road has seen it all. Join me next week to find out more. Do take a look at Design Centre Chelsea Harbour's website at dcch.co.uk or why not head there yourself to SW10. Nowhere else will you find such a high concentration of design's biggest names helping to shape the luxury interiors of today.